Today we are looking at season five, episode ten, Dollar Pringfield. Dollar Pringfield. Dollar Pringfield, and season five, episode eleven, Homer, the Vigil Ant. Yes, the Vigil, the Vigil Ant, the Ant that lights a candle and uh, mourns the the ill. <laughs> What's the ill? I I feel like you're. My idea of what a vigil is <laughs> is off slightly. No, my favorite. Well, I feel like you were going to go harder on that and come to dance to the ill. I was. My favorite. Um, uh, my favorite memory of a vigil <laughs> is uh, when Pope John Paul II was sick, and there was something on TV about like there was a huge vigil outside the Vatican because old mate was sick. Yeah. And then, you know, how Australian news services, they always have to find an Australian angle on a story like that. Sure. And so they're like, oh, and some people from a school in Sydney South happened to be on a school excursion to Italy. What? That doesn't happen. And then it cuts to a bunch of school kids, like year 10, year 11, so 15, 16, 17, that, I- that age mm. school kids, all in their like a little private school uniforms, uh, sitting in a ring outside the Vatican while one of the kids plays Wonderwall on guitar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's great because like obviously the news used the bit of them singing because maybe you're gonna be the one that sees me. But because after all, you're Pope John Paul. Oh fuck. <laughs> Imagine, because after all, you're Pope John Paul. That's that's so that's a much better payoff than what I had planned, which was just to mock some school children. <laughs> Fuck, that's so good. God, um, should we rewrite Wonder Walters about the death of the Pope? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> Fuck. Um, uh, 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 come on, come on, brain. See, today is gonna be the day. That the Pope is going to go back to you, referring to God. <laughs> oh, we're singing to God in this, are we? <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I reckon the first line is, today is going to be the day that they have to refit the papal shoes. <laughs> By now, uh, you should have somehow realised which colour smoke will be. Bl- be will do. Will do. Which yep, color, yeah, yep. which colour smoke will do. Um uh, fuck, how does Wonderwall go? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I don't I don't really think that anybody feels the way I do about you now. That's the next line to... Um, sure. I don't sure, think sure. that's how it goes exactly, but... I don't believe that anybody can be the guardian of the shroud without <laughs> you now. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Ah, that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we got 2019 off to some start. You know, the thing is, when that particular Pope was dying... But after all, just use a cardinal. <laughs> when that particular Pope was passing, yeah. we had a contingency from our school at the Vatican as well. Did we? We did. Who the fuck? 
I distinctly what? recall there was a bunch of kids from our school at the Vatican. Why did like, we... I think they also did a vigil for the Pope. Can I just point out that we went to a non-Catholic school. Hello, PlayStation. We went to a non-Catholic school. What were we doing sending kids to the Vatican? I just going to visit the Pope, I guess. Um, Pope voting process. <laughs> Pumping in on Pope. Conclave. That's the word I was conclave. trying to find. Uh, papal conclave. Mm. Today is gonna be the day that the papal conclaves for you. Something like. Well, yeah. I, we'll, we'll keep working on this. We'll keep working on this. Okay. By now, you should have somehow seen that the smoke was blue. I mean, it's white and black smoke. Okay. When the vote, uh, I think it's white if there's no no black if there's no vote and white if it's a unanimous vote. Okay. And blue if it's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Which it always has been. Pope, Pope gender reveal parties. <laughs> <laughs> the most monotonous celebration of all time. It's a boy again. Fucking hell. Someone come, uh. someone comes out on the big balcony in front of fucking whatever it is, uh, St. Peter's Square or the Basilica or whatever it is, standing out in the balcony, just pops a balloon that's full of blue confetti and everyone's like, we fucking know. <laughs> Oh, oh, you know, this man. is the first time we've recorded in about a month. I thought, you know, I was a little worried we might have lost our spark, but no, we still know exactly how to talk about The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this has been uh, Popes in the Key of Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. So this is uh, Dollar Pringfield. Dollar Pringfield. Which I believe had the subtitle, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Legalized Gambling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that didn't appear on the DVD menu. No, too long. Too many words. Too many words. Yeah. You know, DVD technology from the mid-2000s, they couldn't handle that many words. DVD. Only so much space on the disc. Just rolls off the tongue nicely, doesn't it? DVD. DVD. Um, DVD. How much space is on it? I feel like once upon a time I knew that. Is it a... It's about 7 gig, I think. 7? Or, or maybe like 6.6 6 or something. It's around oh, there. Uh, was this was this in the era of dual layer DVDs where they doubled the capacity? Ah, uh, that might be the doubled capacity. The, oh, the Yeah, right. Cool. So, mm. so it's not quite the 1.44 megabytes of a small floppy disk. No, Nick. <laughs> and it's not quite that, no. No, no, no. It's more than that. Do you ever occasionally just... Uh, randomly test your devices for backwards compatibility by jamming defunct storage media into them. Sure. When, when's the last time you stuck a 1.44 megabyte floppy into a CD drive? Well, first thing when I got here, remember? Uh, hey, do you remember that, um, <clears throat> that wild time in the late 90s where every like smart tech head, and I, I put so <laughs> many scare quotes around all of that, everyone's younger cousin who was... Who was into computers mm. had a program on their computer that was called like coffeecup.exe and it came up with a dialog box that says do you want a coffee cup holder and you say yes and then it spits out the cd tray Ah <laughs> 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 oh, man i just wish we could go back to those halcyon days yeah exactly yeah. now now i have to bloody have to bloody get a bloody app for that don't i uh, uh, and it's just a picture of a coaster and you put your bloody Bloody cup on your bloody phone there. Ah, uh, Nick, it's just, you know, these millennials. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on the millennials. No. They're just so smart and ahead of the curve. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, it's just it's just crazy. They're it's just having so much sex and they're so cool. And... 
I mean, the thing I find... They won't invite me to their parties. The thing I find uh, 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 infuriating about the millennials is, you know, when we were younger, we, we rebelled. But now they're re- but now they're rebelling in a slightly different way. And yeah, I don't perceive it. As, I don't I don't perceive it as rebelling, James, because it's actually threatening <clears throat> the structure that I'm comfortable in. Uh, you don't rebel by threatening the structure. You know, Imagine. You know, Nick. I think sometimes we had you know Johnny Ho, Bob Cash, uh, the other one, <laughs> Steve Jobs, I guess. <laughs> oh, Johnny Hope, Bob Cash. Fucking a. <laughs> Okay, so this episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> so this is the one where they build the bon- the the Mr. Burns Casino. Yeah, starts off with some excellent old timey footage. Yep, I really enjoy the old school newsreel. I enjoy I enjoy any sort of like old timey news thing. Yes. It's fun. It is. There's a scene of a family watching a news footage of a train approaching the screen, and they all get quite frightened, just like the arrival of a train by the Lumiere brothers. Uh, yes, because that in- was that was one of the first. Yeah, it was like 1899, I and, think, that came out. And that's the one... I remember learning about that at some point. And, you know, oh, people were so terrified. They got up and ran out of the cinema. I'm like, no, they fucking didn't. But apparently that's a well-reported thing. But surely that's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. Yeah, thank but, but, uh, but uh, what I'm wondering, Nick, is that... Um, I mean, when you saw that film, though, because you're not so familiar with cinema... Mm. I mean, when you saw it, you leapt up and ran off crying because you thought a train was going to crash into your living room. Well, I did. Yeah. But but that's that's for my own very personal reasons. Yeah. I, I I thought that, you know, the old timies were, were, were better than that. Yeah, those halcyon days. Those halcyon days, exactly. Those halcyon Lumiere brothers. But by the way, is that a stage name by them? Because Lumiere is French for light, right? Yeah, they ha- invented light. Yeah, I know, but 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 in, in they in, were the original light camera Jacksons. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That's outstanding. Um, no, but you know, in a world, I mean, you could regard if you wanted, you could regard cinema as the art of painting with light. Sure, if yes. you wanted to. Yeah, and their surname is Light. Yes. And they did one of the first films. Yes. That's outstanding. <laughs> That's like if the world's first bass player was called Bom 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 Bom. You'd be like, whoa, what the fuck? That's amazing. What a wonderful coincidence. It's like an ice cream man called Cone. To steal yeah, yes. from to steal from Kramer. Yeah, I mean I, I enjoy Professor Rubbermouth, a man that has five billiard balls in his mouth. Yep. Or well, is that just what his teeth look like, or is that a... Oh, that's an interesting thing. He's spin. just shoving balls in his mouth. <clears throat> I think he's just <laughs> shoveling balls in his mouth. <laughs> um, what's the maximum number of billiard balls you've had in your mouth at any one time? Uh, 25. 25, that's quite a few. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'd, you'd excel past... Do you mean, like, little mini kids' toy ones, or do you mean big boy ones? You, you're done with the headphones? I'm done even... with the headphones. <laughs> I'm taking off the headphones. I, I like to have a... You, you just hear my own voice. Was <laughs> it because every time I did something, like, put down my cup or whatever, you were getting incensed at how much noise you were hearing? Everything's fine. Everything's fine? All right. We were talking about Billy Boys in my mouth. Well, as you know, I've got... <laughs> I've got six in there right now. Are you like the Oral B guy? Do you just sort of like hyperextend your jaw to an obtuse angle? Like the Oral B guy, yeah, That's yeah. A, you know the little the little guy that looks like Lunig but with better politics and gender hygiene. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure of the Oral B guy's politics? Have you talked to him about how he feels about? Uh, I haven't actually about same-sex marriage. <laughs> I haven't. I don't know if Oral That'd B... That'd be a real twist in that advertising campaign. I don't know if Oral-B 
put out a stance on on the, the same sex marriage debate. No, that particular brand of toothpaste, I don't think weighs in on many political issues. Well, you know, everyone needs a toothbrush. Yeah, I mean, their whole policy of making teeth whiter, I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I also enjoy that after the old-timey news footage, Abe and Jasper, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, so this is what, back in the 40s? Is that when we're meant to believe this is? Yeah, I give think, or take. Yeah, around there, 40s, 50s. Uh, they walk back out on the street and they talk about how, you know... All the streets are paved with gold. <laughs> streets are paved with gold. Uh, they walk past a vinegar parlor, which I enjoyed. <clears throat> a vinegar parlor? Instead of an ice cream parlor. It it looked like what we would associate an ice cream parlor, but it just said vinegar parlor on the sign. Which Don't is we find out in the very next episode that Abe was once full of vinegar? Yes. Uh, we'll get to that. I know. <laughs> and it's interesting because how long has that vinegar been processing through his system? Or... Yeah. Was that not actually a flashback? And did, once again, we get to omelette egg flip? And he went from 1940s Springfield to Ooh. 1993 Springfield. It's interesting. I've got some egg flip questions about the next episode. There might Excellent. be some, uh, there's some stuff going on here, certainly. Um, and then when it snaps back to real time, or perhaps when the omelette continues to fold... Uh, they walk past a cinema that is showing a movie called Sperms of Endearment. Sperms of Endearment. Which I thought was um, a bit gross, frankly, but anyway. Now, Terms of Endearment, is that a James L. Brooks film? Why am I asking you? I don't know. You're not going to know. What? I, I, yeah, no, I <clears> don't know. I think it might have been James L. Brooks' 1983 debut. All of that could be wrong. I don't know. I've the, never seen any films by James L. Brooks, but he worked on The Simpsons. I guess the thing is, and the thing that our listeners need to realise, is that we literally have no way of knowing. Yeah. We are, you know... Is it good when we just talk like this? You know, no phones. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you download your Coaster app and... uh, Okay, here's my question. We were talking about uh, politics a moment ago, so this is vaguely relevant. The Simpsons has... A confusing stance on social services as a general uh sure as a general rule like yeah. uh you know in this episode we have an unemployment ec- uh, an unemployment epidemic but then is we that, also have is that part of the the economic the economic downturn yes economic, economic downturn. downturn certainly a part of this uh but we see abe and jasper going into social services and we hear abe declare i'm old give me give me give me sure is it, the Simpsons seems to have a difficult relationship with the idea of old people getting a pension. It is strange, isn't it? This is not the first time there's been something like that no, in this cause, show. Because Abe said previously, I didn't earn it, I don't need it, but yeah. if they ever stop it, they'll be held to pay or something yep, along those lines. That. There's, um, there's quite a few references to Abe, a man who is shown as like living in a very bad situation, mm. not needing or deserving any welfare. Yeah, I don't. Which is weird because the rest of the episode is about like the dangers of gambling and like how the economy can be destroyed by things like. It's weird. It's a it's it's a weird little thing. It's a tricky one because on the one hand, it's very easy to say, honor that they're making specific comments about Abe's relationship Mm. with, um, uh, uh, you know, welfare payments or whatever. Um, but when there's no counterpoint that I can easily identify in the series, yeah. then it does make you go, well, what is exactly the stance that the writers are yes. putting forward? What are oh. the politics of the Simpsons? Mm. Or, in fact, the Oral-B guy, the little, <laughs> little old, old mate character. Yeah. If we could, do you reckon we could get him on the podcast? Excellent question. <clears throat> what was that guy's name? Did he have a name? It was this Oral-B man? I believe his name was um, 9 out of 10 dentists. Okay. 
Because then Do you think it, it was done a oral history of that ad? No, oh, very good. Ooh. But no, I, I think it's a little bit like, uh, you know, there's that schoolyard rumour that <clears throat> um, McDonald's set up a company called 100% Australian so that they yeah, can say yeah, 100% yeah, sure. Australian beef. I think it's a little bit like that. That little character in the, in the toothbrush ad was called 9 out of 10 dentists so that then they can say 9 out of 10 dentists recommend. Yes, that kids eat wheat bix Yes. Yes. Do you remember that ad? I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. Was it 9 out of 10 nutritionists? Yes. 9 out of 10 nutritionists oh, that's recommend. Right. Kids that's, eat wheat right. um, that, se- that was a sentence that was spliced together from several audio grabs, if you're wondering what, what the James' <laughs> intonation was all about there. Yes. Because I was always amused by the one kid who said recommend very deeply. I think I've talked about that on Re- this podcast. Recommend. Obviously, I've already run out of things. New things are not happening to me, so I just have to keep pulling from this is all, old stories. This is all very true. Yes. Very true. Uh, so we get to Henry Kissinger, who has lost mm. his glasses. He dropped them in a pisser. Nobody must know he dropped them in the toilet. Yeah, this, uh, this episode swings pretty hard against uh, Kissinger. Yes. Which seems like a fair thing to do. Yeah, I, I don't really know anything about Kissinger or his history. I have this sort of vague knowledge of the idea that Kissinger's a dirtbag, but I can't remember the specifics. A teenage dirtbag? Baby. 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 <laughs> um, I enjoy the second mention of Kissinger is uh, Kurt, uh, Kurt Brockman? Kent. Kent Brockman saying uh, Henry Kissinger was hospitalised after walking into a wall. I don't think that was Kent Brockman. That was that other news anchor. Oh, Scott... Scott- uh, Scott Rayner, the original drummer from Blink-182. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Is that who that was? I think that I think Scott Rayner from the original drummer from Blink-182 is indeed the news reporter in uh, the the B-roll news reporter. But was he just a ter- teenage dirtbag? Um, Maybe. Po- possibly. I mean, they, they had to uh, kick him out of the band because <laughs> he couldn't function due to alcoholism. So, Ooh, you know, okay. <laughs> take that however you like it. But... Um, how hard do you have to walk into a wall to be hospitalised? Yeah, pretty hard, I would think. Like, that's sprinting into that's a wall. That's just him not wearing his glasses as well, because Homer's fucked off with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he knows about triangles. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was what struck me. How hard do you have to walk into a wall to get hospitalised after it? Quite yeah. hard, I imagine. Harder than the thought struck you, you would need to be struck by the wall. Sure. Yes. Yes. It's weird. Yes. Kissinger, fucking watch out. Watch out. Nick, we've got to get less political on this podcast, you know? We've got to, you know, Do be we? more inclusive of uh, people of all sorts of beliefs. Uh, no. No, you're right. Fuck everyone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm barely inclusive of people with my beliefs. <laughs> it's not entirely true. Quite an easygoing person, really. Well. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. <laughs> So eventually we get a town meeting about the economic downturn in Springfield. Nobody's got any money. Uh, nobody, nobody's got any work. I'm can looking I, for a new job at the moment. It's pretty difficult. Can I blow your mind with the theory? Could, this could combine two of our theories into one. Is it in fact an egg-anomic downturn? An egg-anomic downturn? <laughs> <laughs> what, you're just sitting there doodling on your page. You're very casual. Like, oh, I've got a theory. <laughs> It's the economic downturn. <laughs> I think you're fine. It's the economic downturn. <laughs> okay, tell uh, me about your economic downturn theory. Well, I think that um, uh, possibly due to the the omelette egg flip universe, which mm. 
it, well it, established in previous episodes for anyone just joining us it, now. It could always be someone's first. And this is the 52nd episode of Pots in the Game of Springfield. It could always be someone's first, so I'll very quickly say, uh, go do the research by listening to several hours yep. of our content. And use protection. Um, uh, well, <laughs> I mean, I know our podcast can get pretty sexy from time to time, but I don't think, I don't think it goes quite to that extent. That's maybe the first time anyone will have ever described this podcast as sexy. <laughs> That's a really good point. Um, but uh, is it possible that due to the overlapping timelines <clears throat> that exist within the town of Springfield, yeah. uh, then we end up getting uh, basically a lot of money disappearing <clears throat> in, into the it's other timeline? Contributing to... Do you think there's been like a, somebody's funneling money out of one timeline into the other? Possibly. Possibly where the streets are paved with gold. As seen yes, earlier in yes, the episode. Exactly where the streets are paved with Exactly, gold. did you say? Oh, fuck. <laughs> this goes deeper than I thought, James. Okay, um, well, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably a fair thing to assume. Yeah, I don't think we need to... Uh, I, I don't think I need to invent any further story around this because I've clocked it. People really... Sandy. Just sort of jump in in these town meetings in Springfield. You know, people just sort of talk whenever they want to, don't they? Have you ever been to a town meeting? Of course not. Have you ever run excitedly... Arms askew out of a town hall. Run arms askew out of a town hall? Yeah. What? No. <laughs> like every town meeting in Springfield ends with people running, arms flailing. To go and fuck in the town square? To go and, well, I mean. Essentially in this one. That's what's well, in, happening. In, in this specific incident. But, the, but generally, the, not all the meetings end in town square fuckings. Just <laughs> some of them do. But um, everyone always runs out, arms in the air. Very happy. I've cheering never, and shouting. I've and, never uh, run out of a town hall cheering and shouting. No, me neither. I don't think I've ever walked at anything faster than an ambling gate inside a town hall. Yeah, that's a good point. Ambling gate is your kind of standard speed, I think. Yeah, that's my film production company as well, Ambling Gate. <laughs> ambling Gate's a good name for a film. Yes. Company. Production yes. company. Uh, in the film production company, is it GAT or GAIT? It doesn't matter. Well, I think it does. <laughs> no, that's part of our policy. You just spell it however you want. It's more of a philosophy, a thought, a feeling. Ambling Gate GATE sounds like a place, whereas Ambling Gate GAIT is a descriptor of a walk. I don't know, I was really just riffing on the fact that Steven Spielberg had a production company called Amblin for a long time. I don't know, I didn't really think about it beyond that. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yep, Diddy. Diddy Kong. P. Diddy. Sure. <laughs> Bad boys for life. <laughs> That's us. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. We ain't go in nowhere. We, we ain't, ain't going nowhere. Going nowhere. We can't be stopped now because it's bad boys for life. <laughs> okay. A song that is definitely not about the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> so they build a casino. We ain't Pope in nowhere. No, we stop. ain't. <laughs> Pope in nowhere. We can't keep doing it. We can't be stopped now. Because <laughs> we're Catholic for life. <laughs> I don't know what percentage of our listenership we lose. Every episode, there's always one joke like, ah, oh, I don't know if that's going to go over well with everyone. But I feel okay about it because, you know, we have actual ethics that are guiding our lives. <laughs> the, uh, wait, wait. <laughs> is the implication there that that joke was unethical? <laughs> No, 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 I don't think it was. Right, okay, cool. <laughs> this is how I justify our bullshit to myself, <laughs> okay, though. Sure. Like, no, no, I live by actual principles, and there are things I would not say or joke about, and this is not one of them. I wow, that was great. For a moment, I was like, fuck, swinging hard against this silly little Pope joke. 
Tremendous. <laughs> what was I going to say? Gambling. Australia. Yes. Australia has a real gambling problem. So this, this episode is very interesting to me, an Australian in Australia, yes. watching it. Because yeah, it's, it's, it swings we, pretty hard against gambling as a concept, yeah, kind we, of. We've talked before about um, the endemic nature of gambling in Australian culture. Like, it's yep. just it's just fused in there. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that this happens in the States, but there might be countries where this doesn't happen. But we will literally, in the lead-up to a sporting event, you'll cut to a special reporter mm. whose job is to tell you what the current gambling odds are. Yeah. And those odds will change throughout the day. And you keep cutting back to this guy in a three-piece suit who's like, oh, well, it's going well for the... Atlanta Falcons. Adla- Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't think of any of, the, of either of the teams. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, and, and we uh, have fairly relaxed pokies laws. There are pokies everywhere. Everywhere. Poker machines. And you can... What's the maximum you can spend on one spin? Is it like $6? Uh, probably. I didn't know those. I think it differs between states as well. I feel yeah, like it, it would. I feel like we're actually a little stricter in South Australia than yeah. they are in other states. Yeah, partly because we did have that one politician who ran on a <clears throat> no poker machines platform for a long time. So he yeah, may he, he may have done <clears throat> he may have done stuff to tighten up the the regulations a bit. But um, or yeah, yeah. So this episode is kind of about Marge becoming a gambling addict. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some stuff I'm going to gripe with, but we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. First of all, I want to talk about Burns crippling an Irishman. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You 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 enjoyed that. Yeah. It's one of those that, things where I just it like the moment I realized what was about to happen. This episode is fucking stacked. There is so much it going is, on. It is thickly packed. By my count, there are four separate major plot lines running through this episode all of which tie together at the end yes we got the plot of mr burns building a casino and going crazy yes we've got marge becoming addicted to gambling yes we've got uh lisa having this problem where she needs to build a costume yeah and just having problems at home and then we've got bart running his own casino yeah and then we have homage just flitting between all four of these things well mm. three of them really not really mm. the bart one mm. just you know been an adventurous puckish little scamp mm. getting his shit done out there and it's good this yes. episode is densely plotted mm-hmm. and i like it a lot mm. kind of caught me by surprise how much i like this one yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it is uh, uh good i think it's also an episode that just throws a lot of shit at the wall like when burns is uh gonna open this casino we get a little montage of people pitching him casino designs mm. i'm actually just thinking this is not a typical way of doing business is it just inviting strangers into your uh, your power so. pod to pitch designs for a yeah. building, especially like when you just get like a, an architect to design it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that there are processes of putting things out to tender where yep. you'll say this is what I want, and you might get three or four architect companies that come back. Yeah, tends not to be people like Captain Kevin McAllister <laughs> from Home Alone who rocked up with the wrong brief, <laughs> or just some British guy. <laughs> Yeah. Who's designed a British-themed yeah. casino for some reason. For some reason. Yeah. Um, I do enjoy Freshen Up Your Drink, Governor. I've said that to several people if I'm hosting parties. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, sometimes while wearing a Union Jack mini dress. So eventually, eventually Burnsy gets this casino. He's casinoing around. And we see these uh, these two performers, these two magicians performing with the, a... The flamboyant uh, magic of Gunther and Ernst. Yes. 
And they're performing with a target, you know, target, target, burning bright in the forest of the night, what beleaguered hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry. They've got this tiger gallivanting around. That's not the tiger poem. Isn't it? No. What's the, there's the other one that's heaps better. <laughs> Baby, you're a tiger work. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, uh, it's the one we love. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. The tiger is out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, what's that? Kid. Kid tiger poem. Kid tiger poem. The tiger, he destroyed his cage. Yes. 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 The tiger is out. Perfect poem. It's so good. Thank you, Nail, age six. Here's my question, though. These We see a little flashback. We see these magicians driving around their little buggy, yep. tiger hunting. And they shoot this tiger. They bring him back. Why did the magicians have to hunt their own tiger? Oh, that's an interesting one. That's not a typical part of the relationship, is it? I mean, they are quite flamboyant. It is in their show title. Mm. And perhaps they, they decided, well, you know what? We've, we've gone through hundreds of... Uh, what are the black and white ones? Sumatran tigers? Whatever. Possibly. Bengal. We've gone through hundreds of Bengal tigers and none of them have had the flamboyancy that we require. Yes. We're going to go on a hunt and find the most flamboyantly furred tiger. Maybe they have very specific tiger preferences. Yeah, that's a possibility. Do you have specific tiger preferences? No. I mean, for a while... You I prefer don't... Nail's poem over Tiger Tiger. I know that much. I do. You know, if I get anything tattooed on me, it might be that poem. <laughs> we you get matching poems. You get that one. I'll get Tiger Tiger Burning Bright. <laughs> oh, by um, uh, oh, Robert Frost. No, I can't remember Robert Frost. <laughs> and that has made all the difference. Yeah, I'll take the path less travelled, or you will, I guess. Yes, I did enjoy, in Year 10 English, um, uh, an old friend of mine, his, his version of that poem by whoever that is that I can't remember the name of, yep. the actual poet that wrote Tiger Tiger, um, uh, he was asked to read, you know, it was like a go around the class and we're all going to start reading this poem. Yep. And he started it off with Tiger Tiger Burning Bright. Look out, you'll set the forest alight. <laughs> Very good. That is good. And I assume I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes, you do. Shout out to that guy, if he's listening. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I enjoy... Oh, and I guess we have to point out the, the Simpsons predicted it thing. Do we? You know what I mean? No, um, okay, happened? so the, the real Vegas magicians, um, ah, yeah, Siegfried yeah, yeah. and they Roy, got attacked by the, one of them yeah. got mauled by their tiger about yeah. 18 years after this episode first aired. Yeah, couldn't frame the fearful symmetry. It's one of those things where everyone jumps up and down going, Simpsons predicted it. And while I... While <laughs> yeah, I, the Simpsons predicted that a giant cat would attack someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Simpsons predicted that an, an attemptedly <laughs> The thing that was obviously creature. eventually going to happen. Of happened. course. <laughs> like, it's, it's so, you know... Like, I think the, the worst Simpsons predicted I've ever seen mm. was there was one... It's one of the HD episodes, I think, where like the joke is it cuts forward to Lisa's 10-year reunion and all the music's just being played from an iPod. And mm. it, and then I saw some article that was like, oh, this is actually happening at parties now. And I'm like, it was happening at parties when the episode was written. Like, it's it's the, the, the shittest example of... Because mm. I'm not a fan of The Simpsons Predicted It phenomenon because if you, if you write things, they're all going to happen. It is weird that The Simpsons did legitimately predict in a joke that Trump would eventually be president, but other than that... And 
that uh, he would create an economic downturn, I believe, with the. But wasn't it more than that? What wasn't it? Trump would become president, and wasn't Hillary Clinton somehow involved as well? I think she she was the the president that Trump was replacing. I well, think. Lisa replaced Trump in the oh shit in the show. I thought Hillary was there somehow. Anyway, I might be wrong, but um, yeah, that says more about America than it does about The Simpsons. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yes, uh, in the casino, I like that in the background, uh, when you see, you know, everyone in the casino, you can see, of course, uh, the character of Dougie Jones wandering around, just putting coins in the machines, pulling them, and shouting, hello, and he keeps winning money, and then there's an old lady, and he helps her win money as well, and, This uh, is Sneaky Peaks, isn't it? This has been Sneaky Peaks, yes. We are like the dreamer who dreams, and then lives inside the dream. I called it. I never, I never call them because I never see them. I never see them coming. But well, whenever you do see me spouting some bullshit that doesn't make sense to you, yes, yes, it's a film, or it's Twin Peaks, or it's both. Um, I do enjoy that when we see Bart's casino get up and running, Millhouse does his own flamboyant magic show. Yeah, he ends up getting mauled by two cats. And there's just polite applause from the, from the <laughs> I other really kids. Enjoy that as well. Oh. And also, is one of those cats Snowball Two? I think so. And then another's like a Snowball Two doppelganger, like yeah, a just, double. Yeah, just yeah. a random black cat. <laughs> it's fun. It's just. I mean, those cats are really hopping into Millhouse as they're, well. They're really, they're really working overtime, and the kids just polite applause. <laughs> yes. Desperately nice enjoy clap. Yes. Meanwhile, Burns is turning into Howard Hughes for some reason. Yeah, I've seen The Aviator. Have you? Is that on my list? <laughs> have you seen The Aviator? I don't know. Not even I've seen The Aviator and I love Scorsese. That movie's like three hours long. What the fuck are you doing? I don't know. What, <laughs> what is this list of movies you have seen? I don't know. Every single movie you have seen is confusing to me. <laughs> I don't... Except it's like, oh yeah, I've seen uh, Titanic. That was good. <laughs> I don't remember who took me to see it. Someone took me to see The Aviator. And about half an hour in, I'm like, well, this is dragging. And then it went for another year. Um, but I don't remember anything about The Aviator. That was like 2005? Yeah, give or take. Maybe it's got it was... uh, DiCaprio as an yes, aviator. Yes, yes, yes. Joe Man, like, I'm the aviator, baby. Yeah, catch me if you can. Baby. I think Adam Scott is in that movie somewhere. Um... I don't know who Adam Scott is. Okay. All right. Is that half Adam Sandler, half Scott Schwackerman? <laughs> Scott Schwackerman? Your mate. Ah, uh, podcast mate. Scott Ackerman. No, but Scott Ackerman did do a podcast with Adam Scott. It's oh. called You Talking You Two to Me. Oh, that podcast. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. Saw The Aviator. Whatever. Yeah. Did you... You didn't enjoy it? I think halfway through The Aviator, I went, oh, this is like that Dollar Pringfield episode. <laughs> Of popular podcast pods in the key of Springfield. <laughs> Man, I need to remember to like and subscribe. Yeah. Can you do me a favor? In, when you upload this, can you, instead of writing dollar sign Springfield, can you put in brackets the word dollar? <laughs> yes. Excellent. <laughs> That'll make me happy for some reason. Now, um, imagine being happy. <laughs> I, I prefer not to. We get uh, we get to see Krusty's midnight show. He's, you know, it's more adult material. Oh, here we go. Now, look, uh, this is going to be a fairly current episode. Louis C.K. has just had some shit leak uh, out of his asshole. 
<laughs> Otherwise known as his mouth. Into a microphone. <laughs> and fuck. You know, this is about two years ago. I'm sitting around thinking about, you know, things I could be tweeting, you know, funny little phrases. I thought, huh, come dog millionaire. Is that a thing? <laughs> is that a phrase I could use for anything? No, I'll hold on to that and I'll become relevant eventually. Come dog millionaire is now, I think, the term I'm going to use for Louis C.K. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he's a dog, he won't stop coming. He's a millionaire and he's a piece of shit, you know? I see. Well, I was making a, an allusion to Louis C.K. before. Yep, used your allusion. Um, yeah, one and two. One and two. Yep. Uh, when I was talking about, um, isn't it uh, fun when uh, millennials don't, or sorry, when younger generations don't rebel in the exact yeah. way that you rebel, instead they rebel in a way which makes your rebellion... <sighs> what a real piece of shit act I that mean, was. You know what really got under my skin, apart from like every little piece of it, like yeah. listening to that act... That little bit that everyone was sort of listening to. Yeah. I thought, you can make this joke without throwing anyone except yourself under the bus so easily. Oh, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The joke is essentially, when I, you know, I thought at this age, I would be like an old man who was like, you know, angry at young people. And I'm kind of annoyed that I don't get to be because young people are so sensible now. Like yes. that's, That is so easy to make yeah. as a joke about yourself. And like, you know, being annoyed you don't get to be the grumpy old man you envisioned. Yeah. Instead of, oh, they're in front of Congress and I don't understand problem is transgenderism. And then he shits himself on stage. Yeah. And then he fucking locks himself in a box and fucks up forever. Um, Louis C.K., you fuck. Problem is, he's actually the grumpy old man. So he doesn't get... He's not in a position to make the joke about how he's not, because he is. Yeah. And he shouldn't be, but he is. And it's um, very, you know, it's uh, very disheartening realizing that a comedian whose work you liked and respected, it was all, you know, he, he was just following what he believed he could monetize at the time, and he was actually a piece of shit the whole time, and now he's realizing, oh, what I can do now is start appealing to the audience that will still listen to me, which happens to be this old right motherfucker yeah. crowd. Yeah. So I'll just go to them instead, and mm. that'll be my act from now on. Mm. Fuck you, Louis C.K. I'm mm. sure you're listening. <laughs> I'm mm. sure. Uh, well, what else would you be doing, you fucking piece of shit? You got nothing else going on. You fuck. Wow. So why not listen to us? Something that makes me um, something that makes me happy is that, uh, as you know, yeah. I don't engage with content. Yeah. So. Three, five years ago when everyone was talking about how great he was. I'm like, eh, I don't really care. I'm, I'm not going to investigate a new comedian. Sure. And now my position has defaulted to accidentally be the correct one. Of just, nah, I never really got into him. Yeah, but it's a bummer, you know, because he, he appealed to so many people. It was, fuck, it's, just, it's disheartening. It's very disheartening. I suppose the only positive we can take from it mm. is that, as far as I'm aware... He's the only comedian who has been disgraced, and I imagine the only one who will be disgraced. Uh, <laughs> we might have to have a word off air. What? Well, I, I hope it's not going to take too long, because I've got to go back to reading this book about parenting. <laughs> it's called, insert Bill Cosby's book about parenting <laughs> title that I don't remember. Parenthood? I believe it was called, I'm the dad with the pudding. <laughs> Alright. I think it was actually called Parenthood. Imagine that. I saw a copy of that at a Savers, a local, you know, discount outlet. Sure. I thought mm, this is <laughs> this is not gonna hold its value. No. It's two dollar value at Savers. No, but I mean, there will be people who buy that for the ironic collecting <clears throat> of it. Surely. 
Yeah. It'd be like people who buy vinyl, you know, they don't actually like it. They're just like, wouldn't it be funny to fill a house with these pieces of shit? I don't think that's what's happening. Nick digs himself a grave with more opinions about how vinyl is the worst. Singing a little song there about the truth. So, but nearly books Liza Minnelli. I didn't mean to detract from the takedown of Louis C.K., <laughs> no, who I, is actually a piece of shit. But. No, and Bill Cosby also. Very yes. bad. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Very bad. Michael Richards, on the other hand, everything he's said... Oh, no, wait. Oh, no. wait, wait, wait. No, oh, oh, my oh, phone's oh. buzzing right now. Oh, what's he's done? Oh, oh, a tweet from 2005. <laughs> Sorry, I got so excited to make that joke that I couldn't talk. A tweet from 2005. Well, this is no good. Who? <laughs> it's, about, it's about when that happened, wasn't it? Yeah, give or take. Same year the Maybe av- a little later. Same year the aviator came out. <laughs> Those were the two major. The big two. <laughs> There's a weird Liza Minnelli burn in this episode, but yeah, I don't quite get. What was up with that? I don't that? know if I know Liza Minnelli. Like, I, I mostly know her from Arrested Development, so I don't know if I uh, know enough about her career to follow why Bart is so displeased that the Liza Minnelli impersonator he booked is actually Liza Minnelli. It's good that there was um, no tragic fallout from Arrested Development either. Oh, <laughs> shit. Fucking nothing's good anymore. <laughs> nothing's good. And look, even watching the fucking Simpsons, we keep finding shit. I've got some shit later in my notes on this yeah. episode. Well, there was that screenshot that came out very recently about Homer has a box on his head, and someone says, "Oh, that's a robot face," and that's very, very offensive uh, and cultural fucking... appropriation. Oh. Yeah, I think I retweeted that on the pods again and said we're going to have to get to this fucking shit eventually. At some point, yeah. We, I mean, we actually have quite a few minefields to walk through with this I, show. We've, I uh, genuinely feel like the option is disengage. Just <laughs> don't consume any content because it's probably all bad. No, you can't disengage though. You've got you to gotta find like the hope in the world, Nick. You've got to find the stuff that uh, you know makes you feel like maybe life is actually worth living. Like like pods in the Cave Springfield. Like pods in the Cave Springfield, the Fuck. best podcast on the. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's not as good as Reply All, but otherwise, I mean, it's like Reply All, the first season of Serial, and then us. As far as I'm concerned, Reply All doesn't even exist on the internet. That's in its own country. That's in its own <laughs> its own little universe. Which is ironic oh, because brilliant. it's actually all about this universe. That is like the Omelette Egg Flip podcast, and it's all from about- another dimension that is about our dimension. And it's all about the internet, the place on which I declare it to not exist. Do you think we could get Alex Goldman on this podcast? Oh, don't be so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, look, there's a scene where Homer. Now, this show, this episode, falls back into the trope of. Marge is not home for a while and everything falls apart. Yes. So Homer goes to make his own dinner. And he makes a pie consisting of cloves, Tom Collins mix, and a frozen pie crust. Yes. Now, we've talked a few times about doing an Eat My Shorts episode where we construct meals from The Simpsons and then eat them. Oh, God. Do you think we should make this one or leave it off? I reckon we can probably (laughs) leave that one off. (laughs) No? I mean... You don't want to eat clove pie with Tom Collins mix? See, the thing is, like, you know, we're going to make the Good Morning Burger at some point. Yeah. That is actually edible. It won't be nice. We really should have done that last year. It could have been a thing we left behind (laughs) in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the the clove Tom Collins pie is genuinely not edible. The Tom Clovens. The Tom Clovens. There we go. Well, now that it has a name, we have to do it. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. 
There's a scene where Lisa gets uh, very freaked out by the boogeyman. The boogeyman's chasing her around. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been afflicted by any sort of boogeyman? Has a boogeyman ever visited you in the night? No. Only that time I had the huge sugar-induced panic attack in the middle of the podcast and thought <laughs> that someone was going to walk up the stairs. Yeah, I remember that. That, that was good fun. That's the closest we've got on. There was that one recording where there was that... Uh, voice of a ghostly child (laughs) but those are the only two seem like a friendly ghost like a Casper like figure those are the only two boogie persons that I've experienced so in this episode we've got the boogeyman we've got Gambler as well with his neon claws sure Uh, do you think those two are in league um, oh, possibly. I mean, I always thought Gambler was more of a concept, but are you saying it's a real character? Like a tangible, affecting the universe type character? Yeah, I think, you know, when Homer says that Gambler has seized Marge in his neon claws, that's a fairly visceral image, isn't it? It's the real deal. It's yeah. a real tangible claw. Yeah, and we know the Boogerman to be real because, you know, they're terrified of him. And his approaching madness, or whatever it is that he brings. That's a very good point. I guess mm. they are in... Oh, so you're saying that while Gamblor has Marge restrained, Marge being the voice of re... Well, she's not really the voice. Lisa's the voice of reason. What is Marge? She's the only competent adult. So while mm. the only competent adult is restrained, then the boogeyman can come in and wreak his horrible wrath. Yeah. Interesting. Working as a little team. Yeah, I think that's what's happening here. It's, it's quite, uh, you know, it's, it's only cute. Marge's, uh, you know, rational, rational stylings, I suppose, that were <laughs> keeping the fucking boogeyman. Oh my God, what are we doing? <laughs> what is this <sighs> podcast? <laughs> um, are you ready to go to the, the next one? No, I'm not. That's the problem. I've got, like, I've got to get through these notes, then we'll move yep. on to the, we'll move on to the next yep, one. Yep, I've got, yep, yep. got a few things yep. i got to get through here. Mm-hmm. I can skip that one. Okay, so Robert Goulet, the bit with him singing about uh, Batman. Yes. That was on that Oliver Simpson CD, uh, Songs in the Key of, I forget the rest of it. Uh, Popes, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Songs in the Key of the Pope. But uh, that bit with him singing the song was on the album. Yes. But they left in some of the stuff beforehand, like mm. the, your manager says for you to shut up. Yeah. But they also have Bart picking him up at the airport. And then the thing that really sticks with me, they cut little bits here and there, but they left in just the sound of Bart riding his bike back to the treehouse. So just on that track, there's just, there's just Bart going, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. It's strange. <laughs> yeah, that is strange. Yeah. It's fun, though. I really enjoy the way that he enunciates egg. Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. 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 Baby. <laughs> it's, um... <laughs> It's got some real uh, swagger. It's a real verve. It's got some real swagger to it. Verve and swagger. Yeah. Verve and swagger would be a good name for a bar. I mean, there was verve at the shopping center that we used to yeah. live near, and that yeah. wasn't particularly great. No, that place. Is that place still there? Maybe. Hasn't turned into a place called like Swagger or a Swank. <laughs> swank. Um, I think it's still there. Verve bar. Verve bar. Um, Verve as in the pop group, not Verve as in the uh, champagne. Um, yeah, Verve is still there. Good. I mean, it sucks, but whatever. It's I have fine. no intention to go back there again. No, let's never go there again. Do you want to go there tonight? No. <laughs> All right. Good. Oh, I just remembered that it's 4.30 on the 2nd of January and I told myself I wasn't going to drink during January. <laughs> and just even thinking about being in a bar... Slash restaurant made me want a beer because <laughs> I was like, oh, I used to go there for a pint of fat yak, before, and they they used to do imperials when yeah, it was they had a Ruby well. Tuesday. Oh, goodbye, 
Ruby Tuesday. Exactly. You have to say goodbye to Ruby Tuesday for the rest of the month. Well, you don't have to. You can do whatever you want. You're well, no, a full-grown adult. But it's it's what that that's the song you sing when you go to the bathroom after drinking pints of Ruby Tuesday. Yeah, when you need to take a shit after drinking Ruby Tuesday. No, not when you need to take a shit, James. When you're doing cheeky wees. Oh, okay. Because they're coming out red. Fuck. <laughs> okay, I got... Three more notes i got to get through here. Oh, that's right. We, we were going to try and get through these quickly. Okay. <laughs> and then we diverted like hell. Now, Burnsy. Burnsy pulls a gun on Smithers. Yes. We never see them again for the rest of the episode. Did Burns shoot Smithers? Who shot Mr. Smithers? Exactly. Part two episode coming up after this. Yes. Uh, having to dress up as a state, which Lisa has to do in this episode, that fucking sucks as a thing to make a kid do. I don't... I, I can only assume that's not real. Like, dressing up... In the vibe of a state, I could understand. Sure. You know, dress up in a way that is summarising the general feeling. Yeah. Um, that I can understand, but surely not 3D costumes. Yeah, as an activity, it fucking sucks. And they shouldn't have to do it. No. I agree. And this, look, this episode, again, it's about Marge. You know, she has a gambling problem. She's got these issues. But once again, the conflict is ultimately that Marge is not around the house doing typically motherly things. Yeah, and that like the- Homer's upset because he has to do some... Yeah. Quote-unquote like ha- quote adulting. Yeah. The house is dirty, uh, nobody's cooking dinner, and Homer's useless at helping Lisa with the thing she mm. wants to do. Like, the fact that Marge has, like, a fairly serious problem is kind of swept under the rug in favour of, like, these are the things you are not doing for other people right now. Yes. And that, that kind of sucks. Yeah, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not a yeah. fan. Surprisingly, not a fan. Very nice. I mean, I thought this is a very funny episode. I laughed oh, a lot yeah, in this yeah, episode. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of feel like yeah. this is a fairly typical thing the show does a lot in its mm. good seasons is uh, have these conflicts that ultimately wrap up because, you know, the problems a woman is facing are inconveniencing the men in her life. It's yeah. a, bit of a bit of a thing that keeps happening. Yeah. And I, I suppose I don't have the deftness to figure out what the resolution... Like, I, I'm not mm. sure how Marge could come to the realisation she has a problem without realising the way it's affecting other people because I'm so heavily inculcated in that 90s, yeah. it must affect the man. And look, I'm not saying I'm particularly <clears throat> pleased to be in this position. I, yeah. ju- I just can't think of how that, that would be resolved. It's also why I'm not a sitcom writer. Um, but uh, I'm sure if we took like some time, we'd be able to come up with something. Do you mean like we've done it on other episodes, but we probably shouldn't do it now because we're like four hours into this recording? And do you mean the herb time? <laughs> you want us to take some of the herb time? Well, we tried parsley, sage, and rosemary. None of them helped. So <laughs> why not? So if we make it the big four, yeah. <laughs> Season five, episode eleven. Homer, the ant, holding a candlelight vigil. <laughs> Homer the Vigilante, that's what it's called, it's about sure. Homer being a vigilante. Um, chalkboard, I don't often do the chalkboard, once yep. upon a time I tried to make it a recurring segment and then forgot almost every time, Yep. but uh, Bart is writing, I'm not authorised to fire substitute teachers. Frankly, that feels like a two-way street to me, because if you're a substitute teacher rocking up and obeying the word of a 10-year-old <laughs> student that you no longer have the job, you're probably not a very good substitute teacher. Yeah, he's just performing an act of uh, community service. The community being the community of the school. Oh, so it's like survival of the fittest, but for teachers? No. What? What? Oh, you mean the substitute is performing the community service? No, little body boy. Little, ba- little body boy. That was... 
I'm not sure I follow your chain of logic, I but wouldn't. it also doesn't matter. It's only the chalkboard game. <laughs> There's a very, uh, I like the music at the start of this episode because it's very Twin Peaksy. Oh, okay. A little soft jazz. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And then, because uh, this is the one with the cat burglar who goes through and steals all of the, uh, the uh, things. The cats. Yep. Uh, yep. yep. <laughs> Fuck. Goes through and steals all of the things. We also find out that Bart has a stamp collection. Yes. I'd like to see a spin-off show called Bart the Philatelist, in which he just talks you. That, yes, in which he just talks us through his stamp collection. And John Ronson would do a podcast about it and uh, how, how Bart gets off sexually by having people destroy his stamp collection. Oh, I've told you about that, haven't I? Yes, you have. Yeah. You have told me about that. Um, and, and also, first piece of evidence from what I can recall that Nelson has placed microphones throughout the Simpsons house. I think he just has telepathy. I think there are actually a few oh. instances of Nelson ha-haing from a distance that indicates some sort of telepathic link, some sort of shinning. Some sort of shinning? Yes. That's interesting. We'll get to them as the uh, show Wait keeps a going and going and going and going N- and going forever. Nelson? Nicholson? No, that doesn't really work. Are you trying to prove that Nelson was involved in the fake of the moon landing? No, I was trying to prove that, Jill, that Nelson is actually Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Okay, Nelson. So he's the son of Nell. Nell sounds like Nell. He's the son of no one. Uh, he was immaculately born. Immaculate conception. Um, and possibly as a result of that, not makes, mortal, which means he's a yeah, time traveler, make, which means yeah, he can make, live in the Overway Hotel. Yeah, and, makes him some sort of Christ figure, I suppose. Uh, I'm sure there's some biblical imagery in... Uh, in The Shining? Probably. I mean, it's a movie. I thought, <laughs> There's going to be something in there. <laughs> sure. Sure. I don't recall seeing any uh, religious imagery or triptychs, but anyway. We see Homer sleepwalking uh, early in this episode. Have you ever gone sleepwalking? No. Okay, I've never done it either, but it reminded me... A friend of mine who possibly listens to this podcast, I'm not sure. Mel, if you're listening, I'm about to tell your story. Uh... I was hanging out with some friends, uh, you know, walking down the street just the other day. Uh, and, and one of them was asleep. Well, yes. Well, we were, uh, we were hanging out at a pub and we were talking about sleep paralysis and sleepwalking. Man, I'd love a beer. <laughs> she said, uh, I don't, like, she didn't know if she did, did much sleepwalking with sleep talk sometimes, but she said one time when she was younger, her sisters heard, like, a noise in her room and they opened the door and she was standing at the window Tapping on the glass, moving her head as though she was following something with her eyes. Oh, yeah. That's a creepy scene. Yes. Fuck. Yep, she said that. I said, no, don't like that. <laughs> Wish you hadn't told me about it. <laughs> that's not cool at all. No. Wow. <laughs> what a good time. The, uh, the cat burglar. In this episode. That thing about how you're not supposed to wake sleepwalkers, that's bullshit, isn't it? I'm not sure. I've never tried it. I've never encountered a sleepwalker. I think it would scare the shit out of me, actually. It would. Um, Like, none of the people I've ever lived with have been sleepwalkers. I feel like it would terrify me. Yeah, I would. No. Um, Okay, according to theregister.co.uk, the first result that came up on (laughs) Google... It is a myth that it is dangerous to wake a sleepwalker. It is not a myth... What? What's really dangerous is to not complete the tasks they lay out for you. Sure. Um, oh, there's a website called sleep.org. Who would have thought? <laughs> Nick, um, this is not the time to go to sleep.org. 
Yeah, okay. I think unless ba- it's got anything about the Pope on it, in which case, basically the the general consensus I can see is that uh, if you wake a sleepwalker, they might be fucking scared and confused, mm. but you should probably do it because it's probably safer for them to be awake. Yeah, they might pick up a knife and get stabbing, like in that movie uh, Side Effects. Directed by Steven Soderbergh, starring that, uh, Channing Tatum, Rooney Mara. Is that a movie about the effects of cider? <laughs> yes. Excellent. You start stabbing people. No, it, it, it's I an, said I wanted beer. It's an Irish movie about a bunch of fucks who drink cider, and they call themselves the Soider Effects. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> Terrible accent. I apologise to all of our Irish brothers and sisters. Yeah, now this and is... And everyone in between. Yes. This is a... The Burglar... He seems like a fairly unambitious burglar, and then he goes into the house and takes like four things and then leaves again. It, it's and it's also is he purposely aiming for sentimental things? Seems to be. Um, because there I think are, he gets off on this shit. Frankly, there are things in the house that are worth more than the things that he took. But also, the first place he checks in every room is their bed to see what they're sleeping with. Now, I understand yeah. this is probably a very handy literary shortcut for saying this is the thing that's most important too, but. I don't go to bed holding the thing that's most important to me. No, I feel like I would leave it in another room while I slept in my... I don't know, it seems like... Surely that's the easiest way to get caught. Sure. And if oh, any, like, if anyone had woken up while he was robbing them, do you think he would have killed them? Are you suggesting this is going to be one of those, like... When, when you say, uh, that leave it in another room, that's the easiest way to get caught. Is that some kind of, like, fear factor situation? Where... You know, if you ever get approached by a TV show and they say, what are you most scared of? Then never tell them snakes or spiders or whatever the real answer is because then next thing you know, you'll be in a bathtub full of yeah, snakes I'm and spiders. scared of puppy dogs. I'm scared of puppy dogs who have, you know, um, uh, 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 lollies um, in a uh, basket <laughs> worn on their head. And then... <laughs> worn on their head? Yeah. And then, and then That's the, great because you like you spend a bit of a while they think you're three and then you're like, okay, puppies with a you know, lolly basket. So then... Throw out on their heads yeah. at the end there. Should be around their necks, bro. Oh, possibly, yeah. And then a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel walks in with some starbursts and you're like, oh no, I'm terrified. And, and then you open the basket, it's full of snakes. And you so, got tricked. Oh, fuck. Damn it, because I was going to say, is that the same logic that applies with a cat burglar? You should, in fact, sleep every night in your bed with a thing that you don't like. Because then if a cat burglar <laughs> comes... full of scorpions. If a cat burglar comes and steals something from you, you'll be like, yeah, well, I never wanted that vinyl record anyway. <laughs> that vinyl record of Revolver. <laughs> <laughs> what year did that come out? <laughs> what year is this? Uh, look, this burglar, he doesn't, he doesn't burgle in a way that makes sense. Because surely you should just go to one house. We've just entered the 50-year anniversary of the Summer of Love. (laughs) 1969. Nice, yep. Which I've been waiting so long. No, 60 years. Never mind. Editor James here. Actually, it has been 50 years. Nick, you were right the first time. Okay, what was your point going to be? I was going to say that there are a few things that are having the 50th year anniversary this year. Like, quite a few cultural milestones, but... They're actually the 60th, and that's not Yeah, you know, 60 years ago, we had Johnny Cash. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so, look, the way this guy robs, he doesn't... Surely, if you were a thief, a common thief, you would go to someone's house... Common or garden thief. And you would just, like, take a lot of one household stuff. 
You wouldn't hit up like 20 houses in one night and just take a little bit from each one. I feel like the risk... That seems inefficient. Yeah, it's A, inefficient, but also the risk increases exponentially with every yeah. house that you go into. That's why I think this is a sexual thing for this guy. Right. It only makes sense if like this is about the thrill of it. Yeah, I, I don't think that... he's really getting any... Like, he's not selling any of the stuff. No, because it all gets returned back to them. It's all, all a game to him, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So he's just a pesty old retiree. Yep. Hanging out in a bloody... Bloody... Retirement village. Yep. <laughs> um... Just getting off on, on stealing possessions. Having said that, I do also believe that this episode is happening largely within the Eggflip alternate universe. Oh, I see. Because when the Simpsons ring up to report the crime, we see Wigamy says, uh, 723 Evergreen Terrace. Got it. The Simpsons live at 742 Evergreen Terrace, oh, that's typically. A, oh, that's... Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. So that's, you know, this is some sort of alternate universe... And they're at a slightly different address. Wait, wait, wait. Earlier this season, there was a thing about the address. That was last season, I think, when they were watching Cops. Was it? Oh, yeah. During this season. It was when they were watching Cops, for sure. And uh, we find out that uh, Lovejoy was living at 742 Evergreen Terrace. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's all very strange. Yeah, so every now and then we flip over to this other universe, and uh, shit's pretty wild over there. Mad wild. I really like the line after we find out that Bud's stamp collection has been stolen where Lisa says, Bud's paint is funny, but mine isn't. Mm. It's a good line. It's a very good line. Yeah. Very good line. Very funny line. Not a great way to live, but a very funny line. Yeah. 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 This is a strange episode. There's some strange shit in this one. <laughs> yes. Yes. When uh, when they've recovered the hanky from the cat burglar, there's a scene where he says, Yes, hey? Yeah. We recovered the hanky from the crime scene, which... Fucking rookie mistake. Like, this guy wants to get caught. He does. Yeah. And, you know, you know, he's using a hanky. Getting... What's he using it to mop up? Who knows? But, Ooh, okay. But yep. anyway, uh, when Wiggum has the hanky, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sweating like a pig here. And, you know, wipes himself down. Seeing the thing, this is the most obvious layup they're doing on this joke. Oh, it yeah. is so weird. Where they're going to use this hanky with the sniffer dog. Yeah. He's going to find the guy. And they have to, like, you know, basically pause the action. Like, they can't just... They can't just have him, like, you know, casually wiping his mm. brow. He has to stop and enunciate what he's doing. Yeah. Weird layup on that joke. You know, the thing I like about that is for a moment I went to double back on that and pedantically offer a correction of alley-oop. And then I'm like, actually, the joke doesn't go to a second party. The joke reflexes back on... Um, on Wiggum. Yeah. So layup is more correct. Yes. Um, if, if it had gone to a second party, then it would have been an alley-oop. Yeah. But yeah. I, I would but... have said boom shakalaka then. <laughs> no. oh, he's on fire. Yeah. Now the other weird thing here is... What was I about to say? Okay, okay. When I was a kid, you know, when I saw this episode, I was a little boy. Just a little boy, you know. I didn't know shit. I didn't know how the world worked. I sure. didn't, you know... So once you've seen this episode once, of course, you know Malloy is the cat burglar, and that's just how it is from then on. You always know it. Mm. What I'm wondering, though, is if you were an adult when this came out, do you think you were meant to know the whole time that Malloy was the cat burglar? I think it's pretty clearly signposted. Yeah, he's signposted like a motherfucker. It's hard to tell in a vacuum, Yeah, but it's a character that we've never seen before. What about a continuum? Very, very excellent. <laughs> Just a little callback there. So anyone's switching off the podcast, throwing their phone in the bin, and going to live in the woods after hearing me say it. <laughs> oh. 
Um, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's signposted heavily enough. Yeah, because we get that scene of uh, Grandpa's in his bedroom. He's like, it's the cat burglar, baby. He's come to steal my stuff. Yeah. But it's just Malloy, this man we've never met before. Yeah. With this voice that we then hear again moments later. And also, Grandpa doesn't have stuff. No. And then, uh, you know, everyone's really worried. They're insuring their stuff. They're getting security put in. The town meeting that happens in Ned's basement. Yes. So Ned's basement is not a place we see that often, right? Yeah. We see it in the mini-golf episode, season one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or season two. The bar down there. Yeah, the, the bar down in Ned's basement. There's a sign next to the bar... Which yeah, I saw that side as well. Pisses me off. The um, seven days one? Yeah. It pissed you off? It did, because it's wrong. <laughs> okay. It says, seven days without a drink makes me weak. The phrase is, seven days without a drink makes one weak. It's meant to be like a royal one, because then that's a play on a week. I think I misread the sign. What? I didn't read weak, I read wine. Like with a H. Ah. Oh. Maybe that was just my mind... That's even Changing stranger. Changing it into a different joke, though. I guess Is that you, a thing that minds do? I, I guess so. I guess so. You just started bloody punching. I mean, that's not even punching up. It's punching sideways. But, um, yeah, no. So I thought it said seven days without a drink makes me weak, which is wrong because it's not a joke then. It should be mm. makes one week because it's seven days. Yeah, um, and makes know. one. It's like old time we speak. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's what I was going to say about the sign. But it's weird that we've got... To be honest, I feel like my point has been completely fucking <laughs> crowbarred by the fact that you had a different reading. Well, I apologise for crowbarring your point. No, it's fine. Because now I'm not sure. Maybe I had a <laughs> I wrong. mean, you say I had a different reading, just like one of us misread the sign. Probably me. Probably, probably me. <laughs> I don't want to swing too hard, but... Uh, should, should I check? Are people going to get irritated if there's no closure to this? You could freaky hack it. I'll freaky hack it. Isn't it... Weird that this episode is not about, like, a general increase in crime. It is about a single super criminal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that uh, necessitates the forming of a vigilante group. Yeah, it's a very quick escalation to vigilante group. Is that maybe an indication about um, the uh, the power of the media? Because it seems like Kent Brockman very, very... Mani- Kent well, Brockman and the news team. The professor on to talk about uh, whether we should crack each other's heads open and feast on the go inside and all of that. I do enjoy Just that. Just that sort of general thing of like if somebody is highly educated enough, they'll be brought in to discuss issues they obviously know nothing about. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty impressive to... Um, uh, to get into a situation like that and not back out of it and say that actually I, I don't really have the capacity to uh, talk about this. Especially considering that this was before the 24-hour news cycle. They uh, yeah. feel like they did a pretty good job of... This episode feels weirdly prescient. You know, there's that scene where Trump is president. <laughs> but, you know, largely... Mm. Uh, it feels very modern, this one, in a lot of ways. There's a lot of stuff is like, oh, yeah, that's kind of how things are. Oh, it does say weak. Yeah. Why did I think it said why? And it does say me, which is wrong. Yeah. Anyway. Huh, mysterious. Oh, unless, unless that's meant to be read in like a Cockney voice. And then it's like, seven, dra- seven days without a drink makes me weak. As in like my, oh, yeah. as in like my week, but yeah. like me weak. Me weak. Makes me weak. Me weak. Okay, good. Uh, Cross out on that note. Yeah, brilliant joke. <laughs> Great sign. Everything's perfect. That's what we were saying, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, more or less. So they form this, uh, this vigilante group. Yes. Or vigilantes. <laughs> yes. 
with the theme song Adelante by Sash. Yes. Yep, Alejandro, Alejandro. Did you notice they have all these people joining the group? It's everyone's like, oh, I'm with you, Homer. We're gonna we're gonna be part of a vigilante group. They show Captain McAllister joining this group, Kevin but then McAllister. he's just not in the rest of the episode. Uh, yeah, of, I'll be with you too, matey. Has he gone back to the ocean? Yeah, he's he's an ocean vigilante, I suppose. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's like a satellite outpost of the vigilante group. Is it just me or just taking, he... taking care of ocean crime? Really feels like in this season they're really trying hard to make Captain McAllister a thing. Captain Kevin McAllister. Um, uh, yeah, they it's do. Not his name. I know, but it's so much fun if it is. <laughs> they do uh, lean in. I should point out for anyone who wonder what that noise was. That was you doing Macaulay Culkin Home, Home Alone face. <laughs> I'm not sure that they do. Um, it could have been you doing a Rain Man callback to the uh, the Mr. Burns Casino episode. That would be if I just left the table. That would be me, you know. because oh, I had 15 minutes to Wapner. I've never seen that movie. Nor have I. No. Should we watch it? No. Is one passing reference enough for it to get onto 22 Flims? I'm not sure what's enough. Well, okay, the thing with 22 Flims is... uh, I have a note about this two notes down. So many of these fucking movies are just Kubrick movies. Oh, yeah. There are two episodes in a row we've just watched that have Doctor Strange love references. Oh, yeah. The previous one in the name, this one with the bomb dropping on the How Now Brown Bureaucrat guy. How Now Brown Bureaucrat. And New Jersey Nowheres. It is good. Also, the second episode in a row where we see Homer owns a shotgun. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Except in this one, he appears to not know how to use it, whereas in the last one, he was locked and loaded and ready to fire. Yeah, accidentally fires it in both episodes. Both episodes. It's also a bit of a weird structural thing here where we see all the vigilantes with their shotguns, and then the next scene is them going to Herman's to buy weapons. Yeah, that's strange. Maybe they they decided they need... Well, maybe Marge made her point because she said, "I don't think the guns are a good idea." But they and just then, buy other guns. But they all like it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and then they and then they go to sacks of doorknobs. Yeah, yeah. There's some strange stuff in this yeah, one. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a weird little episode of our lives, of our lives. Yes. Yeah, God, I've got a whole fucking other page here of notes. I should, uh, <laughs> I should rush through some of these. Probably not all of them need to be said. Sure. I like. When Homer's driving around with the Rapmaster 2000 that he gets from Barge. Yes. How funky all the kids get while following. I mean... When they think it's MC Hammer or whatever the fuck. The note that I've got there is just kids are stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a fucking... I think you know, it, now I, that you're you're old and you know... You look, here we go. <laughs> I think it's really funny that the kids, like, well, not just the kids, the whole town hated Homer when he brought someone that he thought was Michael Jackson. Yeah. And yet one kid hears the shittest, most <laughs> Casio keyboard of all rap beats and goes, it's Hammer. It's and then, Hammer. And then the entire town thinks that it's... Yeah. Ha- and then those kids get real funky with it. Unless... They're getting jiggy with it. Unless... Na, 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 na. You know how I'm a big fan of the idea that... Um, what we're seeing in these episodes are isolated highlights of Simpsons' life, and it's not actually intended to be a complete compendium of every anecdote. Yep, just how it represents a lot of things through abstraction, because it knows we can fill in the gaps of their own minds, yes. Exactly. Maybe, maybe Homer does actually have a rap career that we haven't heard about, <laughs> and his name is Hammer Simpson. <laughs> Hammer Simpson. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so when the kid's like, it's Hammer, it's like, it's Hammer Simpson. Yeah. And if you look up his um his Twitter favorites, there's a lot of like rope bondage in there. A little Arnie Hammer reference there. Oh, okay. <laughs> An Arnie Hammer reference. So I just threw that out on the off chance you would know what I was talking about. I, I follow a comedian on Twitter who... Uh, like, Is it me? No, an open mic comedian. <laughs> and recently, he started liking a lot of... Which mic does he open for? Hey, he started opening... Uh, no, started favouriting on Twitter a lot of very, very hardcore pornography. Oh, yeah. And of course... It Not always, aware it would pop up in people's feeds. It's all popping up in my feed. <laughs> and Twitter's become... I should just unfollow this guy. Because it's actually reaching a point now where I'm like, oh, this is too too frequent for me to continue just... Because Twitter's one of those things that I'll just turn to throughout the day. And, yeah. you know, I, I like to split my, my hardcore pornography habit away from my Twitter scrolling habit. <laughs> it's weird that Twitter won't let you secretly favourite things. Yeah, right? Why yeah. isn't there a secret That should fave? be a function. Secret fave. Yeah. Uh, Jack from Twitter, if you're listening, if you're not off at one of your... Bullshit silence retreats or just like letting Nazis run rampant, you fuck. Uh, maybe you could put a, 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 you know, a private like function in, you fucking dickhead. Tom from MySpace, if you're listening. You seem okay. How does it feel that, that once you were friends with literally every 16-year-old girl in the world? How does that feel? <laughs> and every 16-year-old boy. Does that make you feel weird, Tom? And what was going on with the top friends function, Tom? That was a weird little thing. I got around that by my top eight was just bands. Oh, so yeah. that I wouldn't have any arguments with any friends. And then they introduced you could expand it up to top 24. And I'm like, oh God. Mine was just people. It was weird. It was a weird thing to do. Yeah, top. Yeah. 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 I think you were on my list back in the day. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Who cares? Is my MySpace still up? No, it won't be. You would have burnt it down. Did I, think, I? I think they possibly purged them all at some point. Am I organised enough to have torn them all down? Sure, you can you can look into that. Uh, well, I'm going to look at my notes here and see if there's anything else I have to say. There was a few things. Uh, heavy sack beatings are up a shocking 900%. Uh, that's a good line. That's fun. We laughed at that. I can't even remember my MySpace username. Oh, yeah. Heavy sack beatings up by 900%. The thing I enjoyed about that is that it implies that there was already a statistic for heavy sack beatings. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favourite implication arising from that. Your MySpace name was almost certainly... I don't want to say, actually, because I don't know how open you are with your old usernames. I'll mute the microphone for a moment. I think you're right, it was. (laughs) That was your name for everything. It was. Uh, Let's see. We see on Smartline, uh, Malloy calls in. Malloy! And Homer... Chokes out the, uh, what was the guy's role there? The stage manager. And we see the stage manager collapse. We don't see him get back up. I think Homer killed the stage manager. That seems like a brutal way of going about things, doesn't it? Also weird that a show that is not a call-in show is called Smartline. Also weird that Kent says, oh, first ever caller, uh, and I mean ever because this is not a call-in show, and then immediately puts the caller to air. Yeah. If it's not a call-in show, how does the framework and structure exist for a call to be put through to the air so quickly? And don't call your show Smartline, a name that inherently implies there's a line people can call in to be smart on. Well, I'm going to call, I'm going to disagree with you there because there's a, there's a ABC... Um, rural affairs show called Landline. No one calls into Landline. Well, I feel like Landline is different, though. That implies that this is your landline to this is your line to the land. Well, surely Smartline is your line to the smart. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. 
Maybe. I don't know. I mean... Are there any other shows with line in them? Uh, no. No. Nah. No. No, those it, are the only two. Late Line? Is that a thing? Late Line. Was that a was that a real show, though? I think there's a... Um, uh, isn't there a... What's that digital radio thing in America? Sirius? Sirius FM? You think of Serial with Sarah Koenig. Oh, sure. Isn't Koenig a type of jar? Oh, my God. <laughs> a flask. <laughs> it might be a type of flask. You ever just have those moments <laughs> where you just... Wonder what other people's lives are like. <laughs> People that don't have to put up with me. Is that what you mean? Seems, seems just, harsh. you know, like, you know, so many of the people we know just, like, grew up and became real people. <laughs> we recording a podcast about The Simpsons on a Wednesday. <laughs> where we've divulged into an argument about whether canning is a form of flask or not. I don't think it was an argument. Maybe not. Oh, I'll, I'll ring into Glassline, my favourite show about glass. So, like, Homer goes to protect this cubic zirconia. He leaves his post for a moment. I don't know where the other vigilantes are. But then fucking Malloy, he comes down from the roof, which mm. he was on top of. Mm-hmm. He opens the unlocked front door, mm. flicks his switch to turn off the, uh, Alarm the system. security system. Yep. Yep. Takes the zirconia, I guess just walks home carrying it. Mm. Yeah, it seems like a pretty shoddy operation, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's a bit sweaty. Sweaty app. Yep. Little sweaty. Um, and uh, I think what then happened is that Malloy s- took it, uh, gave it to our pod friend Elliot J. O'Neill, and mm. it became the most valuable rating in the Simpsons Index rating system. Yeah, I believe that's what's happened. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because I believe... Is it possible that he squirreled it away in a pocket dimension? We have established that this one, you know, crosses between dimensions. I don't know. A, a pocket dimension. Is Malloy some sort of void walker? Is that a Star Wars? <laughs> Too late in the podcast to get into that possibility. Is that a Star Wars thing? I don't think so. Hmm. Now, there's, there's a, a thing in this episode that neither of us had noticed until this viewing. That I thought was pretty interesting. Something mm-hmm. we both found very funny. Mm. When uh, the cubic zirconia gets stolen because Homer was drunk... And then everyone shows up at his house and pelts him with shit. He's on the ground. We saw that one guy standing at the front of the crowd holding like a tray of lettuce that he's picking up with salad tongs and hurling at Homer. Yes. This guy who I'm calling uh, Salad Tongs of Alice. (laughs) All right. He's a, I mean, he could be a potential Norman. I don't know. Um, I mean, he might be a Norman. It seems like an extraordinary thing. You know, people are pelting him with your traditional oranges and tomatoes and things like that. And then yeah. there's one guy who's just seemingly hurling individual lettuce leaves. I like the idea that pelting someone with an orange is traditional. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, do you reckon, you know there's that big festival in Spain, La Tomatina, I think? Yeah. That tomato harvest festival? Yeah. Is there a lettuce and salad server version <laughs> of that? Where everyone's just flinging salad with tongs at each other? Yeah, everyone's just flicking a couple of cos leaves at each other. <laughs> it's a possibility. I'd like to go to there. Would you? No. Seems wasteful. <laughs> La Tomatina. Yeah, I've never understood. Wasteful of lettuce, wasteful of your time. Yeah, and I think La Tomatina is very wasteful of tomatoes. Yes. Unless they're like the shit tomatoes, but then um, you can still do something with them. So Grandpa, Grandpapa Simpson. We haven't recorded since needles in strawberries were a thing. (laughs) 
I think we have. Yeah, we, we probably have. I think we talked about it. Sorry, I think I think when we were talking I've, about I'm it, I'm sure I would have branched off into some something about the Back to the Future Two guy needles. I'm. Uh, oh, you did. <laughs> yes. Almost certainly, okay. I would have uh, gone off on some bullshit tangent about Flea in Back to the Future Two. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, so Grandpa realizes Malloy is the cat burglar. And Homer says, oh, Dad, I could kiss you. And he says, well, kiss me here. It's the only spot I still have feeling. Mm. Homer kisses Grandpa, and then he gets this this look on his face that to me indicates that he has just realized he has lost feeling in that part of his face. Oh. That is always how I've interpreted that little look he gives afterwards. Like this little sad moment where Grandpa realizes that his face no longer has any feeling. Right. And that he can no longer experience the uh you know the the simple passion and joy of a of a kiss yeah yeah I, I i didn't get that vibe but i can i can see where you're coming from yeah and yeah. he realizes you know all he has to look forward to now is the grave that's that's what's happening in that scene i mean that's grim that's a grim yeah. a grim reading of uh, <clears throat> an otherwise in many ways you're the grim reader um oh, thank you a, 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 a grim reading of a scene that i had otherwise never <clears throat> paid any attention to yeah and then uh, they catch Malloy. Uh, we find out that Selma and Patty have a big fucking ball of hair. Second joke about a Bouvier having a big ball or something in this episode. Yeah, a second second joke about more specific than that. Second joke about a treasured item existing in large ball form because of course yeah. Marge's necklace gets stolen. Yes, and um, then she has a, a huge ball of them. Ball seems like an inefficient way to store necklaces. Ah, um, seems like a fine way to store uh, to store locks of MacGyver's hair. I suppose so much MacGyver hair. But um, but yeah, apparently Marge, Patty, and Selma they don't seem to understand. There's like a ball culture amongst the Bouviers. I think there's a ball culture. Balls amongst the Bouviers. But it also appears to be that perhaps they don't quite get on board with the idea of. Uh, preciousness generally relates to scarcity. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's like, you know, if I was like, you know, oh, my my cans, look what you've done to them. Oh, look what and then done to them. turn around and I've got like eight million more cans. <laughs> it's it, it doesn't matter as much. I'd go mad without my spoons. I'd go mad without my lettuce leaves and salad service. And then, for some reason, the episode turns into a parody of that film, uh, It's a Mad, 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 World. Sure. That's what it's called, right? I believe so. Yeah, there's a number of mads. Well, I feel like... That movie that was essentially remade as Rat Race with Rowan Atkinson and John Lovitz. Sure. Another triumph! The movie that introduced me to the phrase prairie dogging when you need to take a shit and a little bit's poking out. Aw. Yeah. I feel like um, uh, somewhere in the back of my mind is a nugget of information from a podcast that one of the American burger chains, Shake Shack maybe, or Carl's Jr., one of them, out the front of every restaurant that... Every suburban restaurant, so not yeah. any, any of the inner city ones, but any suburban restaurant, there are two palm trees that are trained to grow in an X. Oh, really? And that was a reference to the creator's favourite movie, It's a Mad, 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 <laughs> Mad, 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 Mad World. Same <laughs> <Like> Vin Diesel. <laughs> yes. Um, no. I uh, guess there must be something hidden under a big X in that movie. I've never seen it. I guess so. Yeah. Big T. So they're all rushing to find the money that uh, Malloy has stolen. 
is there an assumption here that once the money is found, it will be redistributed amongst the people who find it? It seems to be the case that... Have they just very suddenly embraced capitalism? Yeah. Uh, no, not capitalism. Fucking socialism, I suppose. I think... Be the uh, model there. I think what they've done is forget that it is proceeds of crime. Yeah. <laughs> like, because uh, everyone just is on the assumption that, well, if we find it, it's ours. I'm not sure that that's the case. But they're all still working together once they reach the site. Like, it's just going to be an equal distribution. It's yeah, weird. I, I suppose so. And I mean, But then... You know, does everyone in town have to prove that they were equally affected by the robbery to get an equal... Like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of unanswered questions going on here about how exactly they think these, these funds are going to be dealt with. Surely it would immediately be seized as evidence and then there would be... I would imagine so. Some sort of process beyond that. Yes. Yeah. As it turns out, it was just a note that said... Well, there hasn't been treasure here in 35 years. <laughs> wow, there's many treasure under this tree. Huh, since that uh, that little gathering we had, I've been doing that bit with a friend at every opportunity, and it never stops being funny to me. <laughs> I don't remember any discussion about that bit at that gathering. I had a few lemonades at that gathering, and I no longer know what happens. <laughs> That's fair. Oh, dear. Yeah, well, um, they dig a hole... And then we get the line, dig up, stupid, which is a nice line. Dig up, stupid, very good. And something I've never really noticed, right at the end of this episode, they're in the hole. I was looking at the makeup of who is still in the hole. We yeah. know, like, you know, the main diggers are down there. It's one of those things that never even clicked about looking until you sit here with pen and pad and go, yeah. well, I'm taking this a more analytical route. Uh, who's in the hole? Yeah, Marge is down there digging along with everyone, which is strange because it, it doesn't seem strange. like the kind of tomfoolery she would generally be on board no, with. No, it does not. And it means they've left the kids unattended, I suppose. Yeah, it's happened at this stage. Patty and Selma are down there just supervising, I guess. They I don't have. I can't imagine that Homer shovels. would have. I can't imagine that Homer would have tolerated that because mm. they're so negative towards him all the time. Yeah, he's digging his little heart out, you know. And there's no way out of that hole. They're trapped. There's a hole in my heart as deep as the well they've just dug for that poor little group trapped halfway to hell. Sure. I can't get them out, so I'll do the next best thing. I'll yell, get yell, on a yell. podcast and pod, pod, pod. Sure, okay. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. All right. <laughs> That's what I settled on. Uh, settled was the right word. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go on TV and sing, sing, sing. Okay. Uh... This has been Pods in the Key of Springfield. This is the first recording of 2019. Uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll calm down a little bit on the next few. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Thanks, everyone. Yep. Uh, Wizard Wazzle. You can catch us on social media. We're on, you know, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on, the, we're on the A Lot of Green podcast network. Hit the links in the show notes available on your device of choice. I don't know if I'll put links in the show notes. I thought you normally put links in the show notes. Yeah, sometimes. Oh, but, okay. um, yeah, we're on the A Lot of Green Network. A lot of good podcasts on there. The catalog's really building up. There's some cool stuff on there. Mm. Uh, thank you for joining us. Where's a wuzzle? Dig up, stupid. Bye. It's been a while since we've recorded. It's been a while. Have we recorded... <laughs> No, we haven't recorded since late November. We haven't recorded since the night we did Dungeons and Dragons. Was that yeah. our last recording? Yeah, we haven't even put that episode up yet. Yeah, I got a new fridge since then. Oh, yeah? It's a black one.
Yes. I have a black fridge now. Have you been uh, freezing things in it? No. No? Uh, I've got um, I've got a box of like uh, frozen spring rolls uh, in there. Nick, 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 Nick. Is your refrigerator running? Yes. Good, okay. Just wanted to make sure. What? Does that mean it's time to get a new fence? <laughs> Just mushing together all the shit <laughs> schoolyard jokes. 